Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual, and I'm joined by my co-founder and co-host, Paddy Mann. Hi there, Paddy. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, Paddy, let's let's start with an intro. What's this podcast all about? We're in episode one, uh, so uh, let's start with a bit of an intro. <laughs> all right. Well... Uh, in this podcast, we're going to go deep on what's causing stress in your business and what can you do about it. Now, we're not here to teach you how to personally de-stress. You can use yoga, meditation, walking, exercise, whatever works for you, but that's not what we're about. We are here to look at specific business issues that cause huge amounts of stress and how to address these. In this first episode we're going to talk about how to get started and over the coming weeks and months we're going to go deep on strategies and tactics that will get results now by joining us on this journey you can expect to well free up your time uh, end the groundhog day of constant firefighting and little progress deliver better and more consistent results for your customers make it easy to scale up and get into a position where you can easily take days, weeks, or months away from your business, and it continue, can continue to thrive without you. The best bit is that everything that we're going to be sharing with you to help you de-stress your business won't come at a cost of speed or growth. So in every case, you'll be say, solving a pain point which is currently holding you back. Now... We're coming at this from our own experience as business owners and working closely with hundreds of other business leaders. And that experience has, quite frankly, been a struggle. Uh, I know that it's an experience that business owners and leaders will be able to relate to. And so we're going to use it to give a high-level view of the challenges you're likely to be facing and some of the steps that we took to address these. So, uh, Alexis, I think we should start at the beginning. Uh, of our journey, yeah. Uh, so, if we start, uh, so it would have been 12 years ago when um, you and I started business together. Uh, we were just getting started, initially started off a, a consultancy with a, the aim of building a, a software business and, uh, and start to do that. And so, it was within those first few years that we uh, did our first initial hires uh, trying to trying to grow the business. I think we always had the plan of creating a business that wasn't stressful, and uh, uh, and so we did a variety of things, including um, setting up remote working so that we could be anywhere. Um, but I, I, we didn't do a great job of those first hires, particularly. I remember that was that was where a big source of stress came in the early days. Was firstly worried about the money relating to hires, right? I think every business leader has that that problem of okay, I'm going to hire some people in to do things that I do, but I'm going to give them a load of money and can I make this work? So we were worried about that, but um, we were also excited. And, and so when, I remember when we first brought people in, I think we went very heavy on looking for experience. So I remember one particular hire, we hired a salesperson who'd done a million pounds worth of revenue for a software product the year before. And I remember thinking, fantastic, like this person can come in and hopefully they can get even half the results, quarter of the results we'd be super happy with. 
And uh, as a result, I, I remember being nervous that I didn't want to break anything. I didn't want to step on their toes, provide them with guidance, training, processes, those sorts of things. I wanted them to tell me, like, this is how it should work and, and run it themselves. Uh, and I now see that that was incredibly wishful thinking <laughs> because uh, they, we, as a result, despite all that, still spent a long time, like, hiring, hiring and onboarding. We spent a long time, like, picking the right person. But then, uh, and we could have done a better job of that, but the, we spent a long time onboarding them and that felt frustrating because it felt like, hang on, I've had this really experienced person. Why am I getting so many questions? And, and at the time I was still having to do all the, the sales stuff. Um, and then we found that they weren't able to get better or even similar results to what I had been getting. And so then of course you start questioning the value of a them, but b just hiring in general and, um, yeah, and unfortunately, because they weren't able to deliver the results, we ended up, yeah, starting to stare down the barrel of going out of business if we carried on. So we ended up having to make that salesperson and also a developer uh, that we had brought in around that time redundant. And uh, both of those were really, really painful uh, to do. But that's where we started. <laughs> do you remember yeah. that? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, uh, making your first redundancies in in your business mm. is one of the many the big painful experiences that you're going to go through as a uh, as a business owner. And when you look at it objectively and go, the amount of time that we've invested in mm. finding these people, in trying to bring them up to speed, in uh, supporting them while they were frankly struggling, which often meant putting in the same number of hours as it would have taken to do our own jobs. Uh, the lost opportunities because we were spending our time doing that and then you let them go. It's, it's really staggering just how, how much it costs and it, it puts a, a bad taste in your mouth for how's this going to work? How, how can mm. we, uh, how can we scale up? How do we become viable as a, as a business? Let's, um, yeah. let's bring it forward then. Uh, uh, uh few years in fact i think the it took us a little while to recover um yeah, so it really did. probably need to be looking more 2016 2017 about five years ago yeah so i think i think you're right it did i think partly financially like i i then had switched to consulting and and you were uh, doing the grafting on the development side plus i was doing the sales side and uh, and so it took a while before we got to a point where we felt like we could hire again and so partly encouraged by um friendly entrepreneurs and business coaches and so on we decided like let's do this again but do a much better job and so i think we did a, a much better job of the hiring process we did put the guidance the training the onboarding those structures in place and uh, and as a result started to get some really great results then like you know getting similar or better results than what i'd been getting on the kind of sales process uh, with that uh, with the first sales hire and on the, um, uh, I think you had a, a similar uh, setup around the time hiring a developer. But the, in terms of the stress that we had around that, there was the same as before in terms of being worried about whether we'd be able to make a financial return on it. Um, things were a lot better in terms of the hiring and the onboarding, but it still took a lot of time. I think, you know, we'll talk more about how we've uh, improved upon that. But the uh, the stress I was definitely feeling was, you know, answering lots of questions, sometimes repeated questions, dealing with mistakes and having that taking a lot of time when I was 
you know, busy with sales conversations, which is why we were hiring. Um, and so, uh, so we went through that, but we did get to a point where it was working. And so I think we, we got really excited about the fact that we suddenly found what we thought would be this really scalable model. And, uh, and we're excited about how we might hire again and keep on reinvesting and growing. But, um, I think we were on a, we were on a, an, uh, our annual general meeting, uh, when, uh, planning all of that, <laughs> planning the great things that would happen. And then we got an email from that salesperson, uh, handing in, uh, handing in the notice. And what we found from getting on a, a quick call was that th they hadn't felt supported, engaged, uh, like they were being developed, um, you know, like that they were growing. And, and so embarrassingly and appallingly for us, I think we kind of felt like, yeah, we just completely let this person down, um, which was really, really stressful at the time. Because, of course, then you start thinking, well, you know, we, we're never going to be able to grow a business unless we can kind of solve these sorts of problems. And we finally thought we had got it working for hiring someone and then we lose them after, I think it was 11 months. So that was really painful and very, very stressful because then of course I knew that I'd have, I'd have to then jump back into the sales side again um, uh, to, to then uh, deal with that. Um, but I think it was, what was really cool was perhaps, and perhaps it helped that we were co-located at the time because uh, most of the time we work remotely, but like, over some beers, we basically decided we need to do things differently and find an approach that means that we are supporting people and, and providing those better processes, um, which, uh, yeah, uh, we then we then started to put in place using um, uh, methodologies kind of developed from uh, uh, books like Traction and uh, an e-myth and so on that we'd learned from. But I think you, you were going like that was on the sales side, like you were going through a similar challenge on the development side, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like we were on this giant pendulum, and one minute it felt like we would put those processes in place. So we actually spent a lot of time putting in onboarding for for the sales for both team members uh, and working that through. Um, we spent a lot of time on some of the core things that they needed to do, like uh, doing a demo call. Um, and there were bits where. I would say we were extremely good and that they were able to get up to speed quickly, but there were huge gaps as well. And actually the, the gaps, uh, cause they, once they were, um, upskilled and, and doing the, the bits that we trained them in really well, it was the, uh, the areas where we hadn't provided that guidance or training where they were spending most of their, their time and needing, uh, inevitably most of the support. Uh, and so one moment it feels like everything's brilliant and we we've nailed it. Uh, we've got some things in place and we can move on. Um, and the next moment, uh, the reality has been brutally exposed mm -hmm. and we are, um, uh, feeling that pain and, and we're feeling the stress of that. Um, we're looking, um, I've got a, a developer who's, uh, extremely expensive for a small business. It's a big chunk of total revenue is going out with the cost of this engineer. And uh, I'm ending up spending a big chunk of my evenings and weekends doing reviews of, of the code and, and their solutions. And the same types of issues are coming up again and again. And I feel like I've given the guidance and I, you know, I'm giving the feedback there and then, and, and then seeing the same thing coming up and again and again. And then you, you're questioning, wait a minute, have I hired someone uh, who is capable and 
possibly we haven't. I mean, ideally, they always say if you can hire two people, hire two people, then you get to uh, have a, at least some comparison. Uh, we we didn't, but our recruitment process was very far by that point already. Um, so for the engineer, we had uh, looked at over a thousand candidates, narrowed it down, and I'd done uh, numerous tests and exercises and a mini project with this new hire, and I could see he was way above uh, the the average and indeed the the skill level of people that I'd worked with in other companies and who had been able to perform to a high a high quality. Um, so so as you said, we we were kind of iterating on a lot of these best practices that we've read. There's great books out there, uh, EMIF, Traction, Scaling Up, and they do a lot in terms of telling you how to do meetings and use data and start delegating. Um, but there's this, there's this second bit, and it was around processes, and it's it's covered in Traction and, and Scaling Up, I think, and, and EMIF's all about how to delegate. But the books don't quite do it justice to make it really work on the job. I think in Interaction, for example, it's very high level and it's about having some of the top level processes in your uh, uh, business documented so that the team all knows how you bring in a sale and convert that and, and so on. And that is useful and really valuable if you don't have it. But that didn't help me with reviewing uh, the, the code for my developer or dealing with the pain points. I had nowhere to... Uh, systemize all of the feedback that I was giving him. And yeah. so alongside the book, there was this big kind of breakthrough moment around this point where we discovered better ways of systemizing your processes. And some of that was uh, trial and error using any tool we could find. Uh, a lot of, uh, we were using Dropbox paper, which is a bit like Google Docs. Uh, and it worked, there's a lot of limitations to what happens when you copy the same document a hundred times and yeah. try to make updates. And then we discovered a, uh, a specialist tool, which is focused on making it really easy to document uh, your processes and run them as checklists multiple times when you need to. And suddenly I was able to give that kind of the granular guidance that this developer needed on how to uh, pre prepare for development and develop so that the stuff that I was getting to review was of the right quality, how to do a review himself, how to look into all the nitty gritty details where he was commonly having making mistakes, whether that would be the architecture or the security require, requirements. We were able to kind of embed that all in. And what changed at this, this moment, which was, it's now like five years ago, but it went from a point where I as a business leader was spending three hours an evening often to my wife's uh, dismay, doing these reviews. And by putting these systems in place, I got it down to 30 minutes uh, and then 15 minutes. Uh, and it, it wasn't that long after, I think six months, eight months later, we were hiring our next engineer. And that entire job that I had to do was then no more because the systems were in place to such a good degree that they were able to do it for each other. And so, it was a real, real game changer of putting these systems in. And it was that, that pain that we'd, we'd felt with the first joiner, which, which was the catalyst for our change. But then the, uh, we, we really ran out that challenge to make sure it didn't happen again. And, and we got, got a, an amazing result. 
Yeah, and 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 as as you say, both in terms of freeing up our time, but I remember that we also put in the processes and and created those you know, checklists and so on for things like doing weekly one to ones and having performance reviews and uh, doing better onboarding, so that when we then did bring in the next hires into the business after after losing uh, losing that salesperson, like they had an amazing experience and and felt really you know engaged and nurtured and. Um, got up to speed really quickly so they're adding value in the organization within like a week we got them uh, being able to do demonstration calls and uh and so i remember it was quite funny that it was like that that kind of night and day feeling because whenever we'd talk about the history of where we'd be they just almost couldn't imagine that it had ever been as bad as that and so it was really funny for us it's like that pre and post period of um before having that in place i think made a huge difference in terms of uh people's enjoyment in the company and in fact the the two people that joined then around that time that were the first ones to experience that are still in the organization today um, many years later so it's uh that felt like a, a big shift um i think our, our next big shift and when we started to um uh, perhaps I'll, I'll hold hit you some, there for yeah. a second because uh something that just popped into um as you're saying that was um mm. Uh, a lot of the processes we put in those other ones, like the the management processes, and we were, oh God, we were uh, hammering through the books at that point, and the the podcast and so on. And there's another great great book called Effective, uh, the Effective Manager, and a load of podcasts on the similar ones, which teaches you how to do ones and ones, one to ones, and performance reviews and, and so on. But what had fundamentally changed? The, a fundamental shift in our business about this period was that we put the foundations in place for continuous improvement. We had the meetings, we had the issue management to solve problems when they occurred, and we had a way of systemizing the best practices that we uh, we uncovered. And that meant uh, initially systemizing things that were causing pain. So we were systemizing the engineering process, how to mm -hmm. develop and test and so on. But it also meant that from that point onwards, whenever we learned something that was valuable, and soon after it was about how to do ones and ones effectively and so on, we were able to embed that into our into our uh, company, roll it out across uh, the whole team, and effectively that that defines the the behaviours that everyone follows from that point onwards, and that in turn defines the the culture. So, as you say, for the next joiners, that's that was their experience. That's what our company was, and it it was night and day. Yeah, so true, so true. Cool. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so um, should we zoom through to about three years ago? So what would that be like, 2019? Because um, by then, because as you say, like we had those new joiners, we had the foundations in place. That uh, really, like doing all of that, unlocked our growth, right? We went from a what felt like a tiny team where we had been doing most of the doing and then were passing some tasks over um, to then three years ago being a team of 10. And... Uh, we've got some absolutely fantastic hires in the business. We've got uh, onboarding and processes for pretty much 80%, uh, 90% you know, of the business. Um, we uh, the, the team were giving us rave reviews on Glassdoor and loving their jobs and, and so on. Um, of course, it wasn't perfect. There's still some items of stress, but it was so much better. And there, wasn't, there certainly wasn't a day-to-day -day stress. There wasn't that. Um, in general, stuff was getting... Um, you know, the day-to-day -day of business was, was getting handled. However, um, I remember that the, the stress that we started to have around that time was that 
although we'd got all those systems and we had got, you know, those things in place, um, it was very much managed by us. It was, we were the ones that were crafting it, making updates, like even moderating the meetings and, uh, and, and making the improvements. And so, uh, and where we were trying to get team members to, to make changes and so on, they were either reluctant, uh, because they're worried about making a mistake or, in, um, uh, making things worse, or it would take a long time so that the improvements would kind of go onto their, their to-do list and then maybe not get done. And so, although continuous improvement was happening, it wasn't consistent and, uh, and and particularly unless we put a spotlight on it and said, hey, what what's happening here? And so I remember feeling kind of, although day to day we were extracted from the business and the stress in that respect had gone, certainly it still felt like we were required week to week, right, with individual issues. And I think around, must have been around that time, I remember being on a holiday where there was some issue relating to a particular pricing model and I had to come away from the pool to come and deal with it and uh, and then you know and then I was writing the process for how to deal with it in future mm-hmm. um, and I think also I mean not just for us but the stress for the employees right they uh, they felt like they didn't have that power they, you know they weren't empowered to make those improvements and feel confident to do that they were they were hitting bottlenecks and roadblocks in terms of how far they could grow and um, and ultimately, in terms of foot making leaps forward in, in improving quality and continuous improvement, you know, we, we were ultimately the custodians, the bottlenecks of, of, uh, of creating the business systems. Um, and so that was kind of where we got stuck there. Is that in, in line with your recollection? <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the one hand, compared to where we had been before, it was so much better. And the employees were frankly really happy they they loved yeah. their job and we we were hearing this through uh doing uh employee satisfaction surveys which we'd built in as a process through the one-to-ones we were through the meetups we we could see that they were really happy in the company but there was this kind of niggle niggle that we were spending more time than we needed uh, that, mm-hmm. that we could and should to support the ongoing improvement and the sense that we had employees who were capable of more but we hadn't quite got the the higher level systems in place to to make that work and to and to scale up now what was interesting it was about the same time about three years ago where we basically started looking both internally and externally because Mm -hmm. you were starting to share it a lot in your masterminds and presentations doing a lot of workshops and so on and it was clear that when we would basically talk to any business owner or leader that what we had got to the point we'd got to was often uh, a big step forward or even light years ahead of where they were at and there was a huge amount that we should be able to share and, and help them help them grow and we, we were starting to share kind of tips uh, kind of okay this is the basic approach I'm taking here are the tools that we're using look how well it works for us and they'd be, oh, this is brilliant. I can't wait. Uh, let's let's get going. And then you'd kind of catch up with them a few months later and, and the tone had changed and they, they basically didn't want to talk about it because they tried it. It didn't work out. And their team had yeah. maybe rejected the, the kind of the documents they'd been creating. And we'd take a look and go, ah, yeah, I, I can see there's there's a few reasons for that. There was there bits that we had learned how to 
do ourselves so that when we were documenting, we were documenting in a specific way at a specific level, which made it work really well. Um, and it wasn't easy for someone who was new, whether that was someone more junior in our organization or someone at another company to simply pick that up and run with it. Um, and so, I mean, it, <laughs> that's basically what's happened. We, we founded Air Manual, uh, which is our, our newest company. And our, our goal is to fix this. And over the last couple of years in particular, we've learned a huge amount about how to make a framework and systems that we're using really easy for newbies, for people lower down in our company to use, but also for uh, other companies to get going with from scratch and really uh, easy to, to scale up and effective so that it's not a, uh, a system that needs a specialist running it the whole time to, to make it work. Or in our case, ourselves, ourselves as a business owners, we've, found solutions to problems that when you're first starting out and looking at how to start documenting and delegating, you won't have even, you won't think about these challenges, but you will get to them later. Like how do I, as the business owner or the CEO get an overview of how all of my teams are doing and hold them to account? I, I want to dig in. I want to see which teams have got systems documented, whether those systems are actually being used, whether the onboarding's in good shape, whether people are getting up to speed quickly, and that's really difficult in most companies. And in fact, I, I, I struggle to think of another company that has really got hold of this challenge because it's normally so organic. It's normally so many different tools and processes. And so some teams are doing it well um, and some teams aren't. I know it's made, it's made the difference uh, both in our own company because we're now able to start delegating that and we've got a framework which is working for our, for our customers. Yeah, and I, I think that you know it's, it's worth noting that it'd be easy to look at some of this, and particularly uh, uh, based on the, the where we've come from and the business owners we were speaking to at that time. It's easy to look at that and say, oh well, this is a a, a smaller or younger company problem, right? Like that you're because you're oh, it's because in the early days of growing organically, that's why you don't have a handle on this you know, big companies, they, they've got this all sorted. And of course, the reality is we know that's not the case. I mean, um, both of us came from a consulting background where we were working with large organizations. You know, personally, I was helping sort out the processes and, uh, and various people and operations issues for like uh, big companies like Sony, AstraZeneca, IMI, Honda, BP, UK government, and so on. And of course, seeing the same sorts of challenges where even when they've got ten uh, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of employees. And so and what we'd see is that ma the maturity of the business would certainly help in terms of some maturity of systems. So they might have some big ERP system that manage uh, that helps them manage the load of the business. And therefore, they kind of have processes in place by virtue of training documents that train you how to use this you know, ERP system or accounting system or whatever it is. But I remember that they, as a result, really struggled with continuous improvement because everything was locked so heavily into how the system worked. Um, and uh, and although they might have pockets of good processes, maybe for recruitment, maybe for, uh, well, uh, often not lots of areas, but may, maybe for accounting or whatever, although still when I think back, there are lots of uh, examples where that wasn't the case. Um, 
when particularly when you get involved with a specific team, when you start to, you know, lift the, the lift the stone and start looking under it, you st- you see I remember seeing the same challenges that uh, that we've faced and that um, smaller businesses have faced, which is that process documentation is patchy. It quickly goes out of date. People refer to a folder that no one ever looks at. Um, if there's a key team member unavailable, it causes lots of pain. Uh, there are bottlenecks. There's lack of transparency. There's, um, uh, you know, and, and uh, they struggle to continuously improve their processes. And all of those things, all those issues just get take way too long to get resolved. And as a result, if you're at the weekend or on holiday or God forbid, like sick or looking after um, a dependent or, you know, you've had a, a death in the family or whatever, like that causes a lot of stress for those teams because they feel like they're letting everyone down if they're out the business um, or just, you know, not able to perform at 100 percent. And I and I think that's an important distinction because otherwise you could look at it and say, oh, well, yeah, perhaps we must have solved that then or big companies must solve that then. But I think even as consultants, we saw that in uh, all organizations, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And still, still do. Uh, I mean, the big driving force I have personally is just looking at my friends and family and the state that, you know, when we, when we meet them in the evenings and the weekends and the level of stress that they're bringing home with them, was what I, I look at and go, these are really basic challenges. These are stuff that mm. should be resolved. These issues should be getting dealt with quickly. And the, resolution to these issues should be embedded into how you work from that point onwards, but it doesn't happen. So I'm going to come back out because we're going to try and keep these podcast episodes uh, snappy and value adding. And this is probably going to be one of our longer ones. Yeah, we're we're really going to try and uh, in future episodes, pack a lot of value into about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, And so just to kind of quickly summarize where we're at with this podcast and what's coming, what's coming in next. As I said at the start, we're, we're not here to deal with the kind of how to de-stress personally and, and relax after work and, and motivate, um, do meditation or, or so on. And that's, that's all important, mm-hmm. uh, important stuff. We are focused on the business stress and what we're not going to be able to do with the business stress is completely remove it. There's always going to be some level of, of things that happen and unforeseen events, but the strategies and tactics that we give will give you some foundations, which will massively reduce the, the stress that you've got. And the, the types of stress, which we'll be dealing with will include those stress created by mistakes and bottlenecks and firefighting and always needing to be available. These challenges, which it's okay if it happens once, but by putting in these continuous improvement foundations, we can stop from happening again and again. The stress around performance and getting team members up to speed, uh, performing well and keen to stay at your business. And uh, an important starting point uh, for many, the stress caused because you simply don't have enough time. And I think uh, that's where we're going to be going to on the next episode and focusing on, look, if you're looking at all this and going, yeah, that sounds great, but when am I even going to get the chance to think about it? Well, I think we're going to have an answer for you, how to start by freeing up your time. Absolutely. And and so specifically, you know, we're going to be at real examples of how to free up 15 or more hours of your time every single week. 
um, and, uh, and, to, and to do so in a really short period of time. So really looking forward to sharing those lessons learned and uh, yeah, hope to, uh, hope to see people in, in those episodes. Awesome. We'll see you there. If you can't wait for that episode uh, and you want to learn how to free up 15 hours per week and remove the constant stress of running a business without slowing down growth, we're going to go even deeper, further than we would in these daily podcasts. And so instead, you can join our webinar on Wednesday, 1 p.m. UK time, where we'll be sharing our three secrets on how to apply these things in your business. So to find out more and register, just visit www.airmanual.co, that's .co, forward slash webinar, airmanual.co forward slash webinar. See you there.